This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Parents now have the opportunity to vaccinate infants and toddlers against COVID-19, should they? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heartland Daily Podcast. This is Anne-Marie Schieber of Healthcare News. This decision by the Food and Drug Administration to recommend emergency use authorization for both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine shots for babies and toddlers six months and older came as a surprise to a lot of people, not the least of which is that this is an injection that's been out of the gate less than three years. Additionally, there have been 60,442 adverse events that have been reported to the FDA's Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And there are huge questions about the efficacy and the need. COVID is still with us. Um, With us to shed some light on this decision and perhaps give some balance to the cheerleading that we've been seeing by the CDC and mainstream media is Dr. Jane Orion. She is the executive director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. Welcome. Thank you, Anne-Marie. This is really an important question and I really appreciate your shedding some light on it. Well, Dr. Orion, um, I want to talk to you first about the data And second, what do you think will be the response? We'll talk about that later in the podcast. But first, let's talk about the trial that led to this decision announced a few days ago. How many children were enrolled? How long did this trial last? And what were the results in safety and efficacy? I think the trial is really a disgrace from the scientific standpoint. Supposedly, they were going to have something like... uh, 3,000 kids in each group, but they only ended up checking the antibody levels in 10% of the participants, you know, like 300 in each group as opposed to the 3,000 that started out in the group. So they have no idea what the antibody levels are in the others. In general, kids in this age group already are, 75% of them probably do have antibodies because they've had COVID, it was probably inapparent. So you have to ask, first of all, what is the emergency? (laughs) When this age has already had COVID, or the vast majority of them have, and they didn't even notice it. Yeah. Um, It started out with how many kids, and then uh, something like 67% of uh, the participants dropped out. Can you explain a little bit more about what that is about? Well, Well, usually in an experiment, you don't have that many people dropping out of your experiment. That ought to really disqualify it from serious consideration. And I do not know why they did not complete the trial. This has not been uh, brought to public attention. Yeah. Um, what, What did the trial reveal? I mean, you mentioned antibody presence, but did it tell us anything uh, about the safety of giving these inoculations to children and infants and the efficacy? Um, you said many kids have already been exposed to COVID. So what did this trial actually found that compelled them to make this decision a couple of days ago? Well, I think that uh, what the trial did was to put a rubber stamp on 
a conclusion that had already been reached. I mean, the government already paid for 100 million doses or so of the vaccine. Doctors were already being told by the medical society how to get supplies so that they could start jabbing kids the instant this decision came down. It just seemed that there was never any doubt at all that this is what was going to happen. And even though experts testified against this, the supposed expert committee members all voted in favor of it. And then the FDA with warp speed and the CDC after that put their rubber stamp on it. But it does not show efficacy, and they admit they didn't show efficacy. They had to use this immunobridging, which you might call immunofudging, to say, well, the kids got antibodies just like like the older children in the previous study, and they were comparable, so so that means they're immune, even though everybody admitted that there is no correlate of protection, that no matter what kind of immune response you get, that does not show you whether the person's going to be protected. So can you put this... Um this in perspective, when we're talking about babies and toddlers, many parents choose to vaccinate their children against diseases um, that can be lethal to children like influenza, mumps, measles, chickenpox, pertussis, polio, to name some of them. Um, how long did it take for those particular vaccines to be approved? Oh, many years, maybe maybe 10 years on the average, because uh, you, know, you had to, to get long-term studies because a lot of the adverse effects of drugs or vaccines do not show up immediately, and things like birth defects or autoimmune disease or cancer, or particularly infertility, are not going to show up for many, many years. And so we don't have this history with the COVID vaccines. No, we don't. It's all at lightning speed or even warp speed, and we are just rushing this through with unprecedented speed. And I think they have difficulty finding even one child that has died of COVID-19 who did not already have very serious health conditions. Do you think that the shot is appropriate for very sick young children? Or, you know, how should that discussion take place between a parent and a doctor? Well, we were always taught in medical school that you don't vaccinate kids who are already sick. What you would not... if. You would not expect the vaccine to protect them from that disease, but if there are adverse effects of the vaccines, they may be much more severe, or you may not be able to distinguish them from the illness itself. So giving vaccine to a sexual, in fact, that's one reason for saying we have to vaccinate everybody, is because we can't give vaccines to immunocompromised children because they don't work in those children. Mm. So the idea is to try to protect everybody from COVID so that we protect people who can't really get these shots, the immuno people, uh, children who are already compromised. Um, so uh, again, uh, we've been, we've had this out enough uh, for long enough, uh, one or two years and COVID is still with us. So it's not stopping the transmission. Well, some <laughs> say that it's making things worse. Because what we have now are new variants, and the vaccines apparently don't work at all or work to, to a very minimal extent from the variants that are currently circulating. 
mean, it's like giving people the flu vaccine from a year ago. Can you think of any time that we approved a shot under an emergency use authorization for any serious disease? Well, I don't think so. I don't recall any. This EUA thing has been coming up recently, but has rarely been used before. And perhaps in this situation, it shouldn't be used at all because there are effective treatments for the disease. And maybe that's the reason why there is so much effort to suppress any information about the effective, already FDA-approved, but off-label uses of, of drugs that have been around for decades with, a, with an excellent safety record. Yeah. You know, Governor DeSantis of Florida was asked about the COVID shots for tykes this week, and he said that his Department of Health said the risks outweigh the benefits. Um, He pointed out that it's still a choice for parents, but what he talked about, and I've been hearing from some people, that there are parents who are really gravitating to these shots for their children. You mentioned earlier that some of them are already getting these shots through uh, off-label use. Um, There was a stunning article in the New York Times this weekend quoting parents waxing poetic about this approval, wanting to be the first in line to give these shots to their babies. I mean, where is this fear coming from? I think it's coming from the media constantly pounding on us. This is the only way to get our freedom back. It's the only way to keep grandma from dying. And the the cover-up of the very serious adverse effects, including death, I mean, already hospital emergency rooms are seeing little kids with heart attacks and strokes, which are just not supposed to happen to little kids, soon after they get the vaccines. We can't prove it's due to the vaccines, but we don't know what else is causing it. Our studies did not include checking the uh, cardiac enzymes, the troponins that you get tested for if you are suspected of having a heart attack or doing an, an electrocardiogram or doing an ultrasound of the heart to see whether any of these kitties are having inapparent damage to their heart with very mild or even absent symptoms. I mean, we don't know that. These are easy tests to do. You would think that in any responsible trial, we would at least look for things that we can detect. I mean, we can't detect effects on fertility for maybe 20 years, or on cancer, or or autoimmune diseases, or allergies, those may take years to manifest. And yet we're just plunging feet first into this to give these kids a shot that they don't even need. You think in the future, I was wondering about this the other day, we've given these shots to so many people that it seems like it's impossible now to draw a correlation between the shot and anything that might happen to anybody afterwards Um, because you could come up with you know dozens of reasons why someone got some particular ailment Uh, do you think that was part of the thinking in mandating these from top down and coercing people into getting the shots and really heavily promoting them well if you believe that sinister motives are possible that certainly has to enter your mind because the control group has really been obliterated. Here we've done a mass experiment, and we're trying to obliterate the control group. So we can say, well, yeah, all these people got uh, heart attacks or strokes, but but we've got nothing to compare it with. So this happens. We're not bothering to do autopsies. We're not bothering to look carefully to see whether these people have 
spike proteins or or unusual um, manifestations of damage to their blood vessels. I mean, we're not looking for it. We're not going to find it if we don't look for it. Yeah, yeah. Do you think the choice, and, you know, like DeSanta said, this will be a choice that parents can now make. They're not banning the vaccinations. Um, but do you think eventually this choice will be taken away from parents such that it might be pushed by schools and pediatricians or that it might be mixed with other vaccinations and parents just, you know, innocently say, yeah. I think that is bound to happen. I think there are already plans to put it on the childhood immunization schedule to mandate it like everything else. I mean, there is plenty of evidence that children who get multiple vaccines at one visit are more likely to have adverse effects. We have never even done a study to see whether it is safe to combine all these vaccines. I mean, with drugs, we're very concerned about drug interactions. And so we don't like to have pills with combined antihypertensives, for example. But with vaccines, we have not even looked at this. We just have so-called experts saying, oh, you can give them 10,000 antigens at once and it'll be okay. Um, but that's, that is an assertion by a so-called expert with lots of conflicts of interest. We have not tried it out. Yeah. You know, what surprises me is the lack of interest um, by some of these parents who are gung-ho on the vaccines and they've just basically have just turn their ears off to hearing some of these um, concerns about the vaccines. Yet, you know, what surprises me is I think today parents seem more afraid for their children than ever before. Certainly when I was raising children, which wasn't a heck of a long time ago, um, you know, and I think about my parents who are a little looser with me, you know, back then kids were exposed to cigarette smoke and lead and some didn't even buckle up in the car. But I mean, today it just seems like it's gone over the top. Um, I heard of one once case where parents wouldn't let other adults see their babies until they could show vaccine proof. Um, it to me just seems so misguided, like it's in the wrong direction. Um, what do you think is going on and, and what do you anticipate for the future? I mean, if they're this alarmed so easily by what the media is telling them and what the government is telling them, what do you think the future is going to be like? Are they going to lock their kids up until they're 18? I think it's, it, the, it's really insane to see the type of risk averse behavior that we have while people are, don't seem to be at all concerned about, say, exposing their children to to pedophile groomers or to to schools in which they're not learning any of their math or reading, but they're being taught all types of politically correct uh, propaganda. Why aren't they concerned about that? They're concerned about these diseases for which their children are not at serious risk, and they're not concerned about the adverse effects of the vaccines, which may be 50 times more likely than the child having a bad, a bad result from one of the diseases. We're not allowed to talk about that. The medical profession is part of this because they keep saying that vaccines are safe and effective over and over and over again. And if you don't believe that, you're a conspiracy theorist or, or you're susceptible to propaganda from 
from doctors, from quacks, who are quacks by definition, if they're not pushing these vaccines. And, you know, kids get a lot of shots, and most of them tolerate them okay. We don't know how many have asthma or other bad effects from them because we're not looking at that either. But but parents have just really been brainwashed. Very Yeah, yeah. I mean... When I was growing up, I had the mumps, I had chicken pox, I had all of them, and, and my parents were kind of happy about it because they knew I had immunity for life. Oh, you did, <laughs> and there's, there's some evidence that having measles, for example, may have a protective effect against getting lymphoma or certain types of leukemia or even Parkinson's disease later in life. I mean, it's just, you know, I've read about it. It certainly has not been carefully investigated, but... It could be that uh, that your immune system, its natural immunity, works in in wonderful ways, and these childhood diseases are are one of the stimuli that help it. Well, thank you, Doctor Orient, for taking the time to talk to us today and giving some balance to some of the cheerleading we are hearing uh, about these COVID nineteen shots now for infants and tykes. You know, your organization, AAPS, always does such fine work on many topics, not just vaccinations. Um, is there anything on the horizon that you want to highlight to our listeners? Well, I hope that they will go to APSonline.org, because we do try to highlight new events there in our op-eds and press releases and action alerts. But I think that this vaccine frenzy is going to continue, and as I think you mentioned, maybe even having vaccines that are self-perpetuating, that if you, you get the vaccine, it's contagious. Other people can get it from uh, having contact with you. Well, that is an alarming subject and probably worth another discussion, but uh, yes, uh, that is on the forefront. <laughs> They're thinking about that. Sounds kind of dystopian, but it may be here someday. Well, Jane Orient, uh, thank you again so much. Uh, <clears throat> Dr. Jane Orient is the Executive Director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. And if you like this discussion and like free market ideas, not just in healthcare, but in a variety of public policy health issues. It always helps to share our link, uh, become a regular subscriber to the Heartland Daily Podcast, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining us. And this is Anne-Marie Schieber. 